Stan wants the climax right now. <laughs> you can quote me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I will. It'll be the opener to this episode. <laughs> Stan wants the climax. <laughs> There's no way that could be taken out of context. Greetings, anime fans and anime casuals alike. Welcome back to the newest episode of Imbibe in Anime. I am your host this week, Mott, joined as always by my fabulous co-host, Stan. Welcome, Stan. Hey, y'all. It's good to be back on the show. I am ready to crack open a fresh episode here. Wonderful, beautiful. And today, uh, as my beverage of the evening, I am drinking, as classically known for me, a nice glass of... Uh, Bailey's. Oh, nice. It's been a little cold outside, so recently Amanda and I have been making a lot of hot chocolate Bailey's mixtures that have been really delicious. Okay. So nice. This we ran out of hot chocolate powder, so now I have resorted <gasps> to just Bailey's. No. Oh, okay. Well, that's not so bad either. It's not that bad. <laughs> Bailey's is by itself still a good winter drink. This How about yourself? True. So. Uh, I ran out of the tin cup last time, so I went and got a little something different. Uh, I've had this on the show already, but I got myself some Irish death here. Nice. Uh, I know you don't like stouts. Uh, well, it's a dark ale, but it's basically a stout. Um, but I, yeah, it's nice and thick and creamy. <laughs> Just <laughs> All like the things me. that should never be used to describe a beer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm too German for that shit. I know. It's funny. I had to get this just for tonight. <laughs> just to mess with me? Yeah, basically. Ouch. Hey, it's all in love. Well, well how, what have you been doing this week? What have you been up to? Uh, nothing significant, <laughs> again. <laughs> uh, just been... Still doing job and apartment hunting. I'm going to be moving my furniture to a different house this weekend. Yeah, really not anything to update. Okay, I will say, uh, as you have done recently as well, we both just bought Pokemon for the Switch. Yes! And I haven't really started it yet. Uh, I'm just at the point where choose my start. Part of Pokemon, but I'm probably going to go with the water one. Which is like the worst of the three. I think they're all bad, but... <laughs> they're not all I, bad. I don't... This is not one of my favorite starter generations. I'll just say that. I will agree with that. I still think my favorite starter generation is second gen. I do really like second gen. I also just love Cyndaquil. Cyndaquil like, has a special place in my heart, so... Third generation is also a favorite of mine. It's like really the first three generations are my favorites in terms of starters. So I'm yeah. sort of just picking a Pokemon that'll be useful, not necessarily one that I'll keep. I agree so. with that. Um, I mean, when I was choosing my starter Pokemon uh, for this Pokemon, I just went through and found in the Pokedex of all the new Pokemon that they introduce, what they have for options for fire Pokemon, what they have for options for grass, and what they have for options for water. Right. And mm -hmm. I found that they have the least amount of Pokemon for fire. So I decided to go ahead and pick the fire starter. Yeah, uh, I did the same thing. I 
my only thing was I didn't like most of the water Pokemon. Yeah. And so I, and I'm probably going to try and get, there's a couple fire Pokemon I've been thinking about getting. Um, I ran into that centipede Pokemon today. That's the one I might be picking up for my team. It's interesting. Um, <laughs> I feel like it should be a fire bug. Isn't it? I don't know if it, it evolves is. into a fire bug. If it's not already, it should be. Yeah, that would make sense. I don't actually well, know it, what it is. It's just the first evolutionary stage, so I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Fair. But yeah, it's. I, I feel kind of similarly. I The thing that tipped me over to choosing the fire starter for um, Pokemon uh, Shield is you can get Melotic in the game. And Melotic is like, my favorite mm. water Pokemon of all time. So I remember which one that is. Oh, that's it's the Feebas's evolution. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember what you're talking about. I love it. Has a really good ability. It does. It has a really great passive. I love it. If it's easy to get in the game, I might, I might grab it. But still gonna do a water starter. I don't know how easy it is to get in the game. You're also gonna need to pick up a wind, or sorry, a wind or a flying or a. Uh, ice pokemon because the first gym is grass hmm that's something i don't know what pokemon i would want i've been trying to figure out who i want on my team just because i do that it's so easy to get pokemon on your teams i've already every single pokemon i've encountered i've caught except two okay so out of the 30 well that are possible to catch i should say so i've mm. ran into some pokemon that you cannot catch for example like when you play a rival you play the other starter pokemon right right so i for example did not catch the other starter pokemons because that's not possible but it's in my pokedex so of mm. the ones that it's possible to catch i've only not caught two of them i ran into a deli bird and deli bird kept on breaking out of my pokeball so i tried attacking it one more time and it was a critical hit and it fainted mm. Okay. And it's really hard to find in the wild, so I gave up and I didn't try and keep looking for it because it <laughs> took forever to find it in the first place. Uh, yeah, and then I'm the second one was the wild area here. The wild area is weird. I don't know. I can talk about that in a sec as well because this is now Pokemon podcast. Right? Yeah, apparently, <laughs> I'm okay with that, dude. Pokemon came out today. Like I'm fucking loving it so far. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it after the podcast for sure. Yeah, but the other one is Ninjask. I ran into a Ninjask, and Ninjask mm. was just. Also, like, impossible to try and catch. It kept on breaking out of my Pokeball. Um, okay. I think I need a Netball for it, and I didn't have a Netball yet, so I have to go back and try and find it again. Okay. What about you, then? What have you been up to the rest of this week? Well, I've been playing Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Not today, but earlier in the week. Um, earlier in the week, uh, did a lot of... What did I do earlier this week? That is a very good question. <laughs> this week has been going by very slowly. I've been playing a lot of Dota because um, mm. our team has a really important game coming up tomorrow mm. uh, for our amateur league that we're participating in. So that's a thing. Um, I'm really stoked for the game. It's going to be a lot of fun, but it's going to be pretty nervous because I think this is going to be the second hardest matchup we could have. So I think they're the second mm. best team that we could play up against. Um, okay. So we'll have to see. They lost to the best team, 
which is why they're now in the lower bracket with us. It would be pretty cool if we won for multiple reasons. First is it would be just pretty awesome to say we beat arguably the second best team in the league because that would mean that we are arguably the second best team in the league. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other thing that would be really cool is they won the league last year. So a lot of people have been hyping them up as like, oh, they have a chance to be repeat winners. And if we beat last year's champs, that always feels good. So That's true. I'm pretty stoked about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I've been practicing a lot for that reason. <laughs> uh, besides that, it's pretty much same old, same old. A lot of just like job applications, stuff like that. Nothing too yep. terribly exciting. Did some work for the podcast. Um, thank you all for listening to us consistently for the past few weeks because we are on track to more than double the amount of lessons we have for the month of November compared to the month of October. So that's huge. I'm really surprised at how fast this channel has gotten listeners. It's been really exciting for myself and Stan to both see. So I appreciate all of you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. It means a lot to us. Yeah. Thank you so much again. Like I, I never imagined we'd be in this position when we have so many listens with everything. Because we're just doing this for fun. <laughs> yeah, when Sid and I first started the podcast, we're like, ah, oh, we'll get like 10 listens in like the first two months. Because <laughs> it'll be like our friends that take pity upon us. But right, apparently right. we have more friends people that we coerced into <laughs> listening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's been working out, so I'm pretty happy with it for it. And thank you all for listening to us. We hope to continue to entertain you. Mm -hmm. So... Shall we jump into our main topic for the week? Yeah. So this week, we, we've been talking about this on the podcast before, but Stan and I actually really highly value both the opening and closing section to anime. So mm -hmm. the, op the OP and the ending are actually both pretty important for Stan and me when it comes to the overall uh, value of the show. And we've talked about it to an extent on the show, but we figure that this week we can dedicate the main topic to talking about OPs, why we like them, what makes a good OP, and why we can or even just talk about why they're so fun to discuss. Mm -hmm. So jumping into the general concept of OPs, um, Stan, I have a question for you to start us off. What's that? Why do you like OPs? What makes a good OP? And what do you look for in a good OP? That is a good question. I So I guess to start out, the reason why I like OPs in the first place is it, it's like an opportunity for the animation studio to... I guess when I boil it down to it, it's like it sparks my imagination for mm -hmm. the series. And it's, a, it's an awesome way to showcase unique animation styles as well as sort of setting the mood for the series. Uh, and so I think it's very important to... It, it doesn't necessarily have to, like be the the hook at the beginning of an episode but i do think it is important uh to get people to notice it notice mm -hmm. the series 
I totally agree. The one other thing I'd like to put out there, the reason why I like OP so much is I'm also just like a really big music head. Uh, I That's true. I just love it <laughs> when a show uses a really good song or a really good soundtrack to demonstrate what type of mood they want to set up for the show. And if they mm -hmm. get like the perfect song that perfectly matches the mood of the show that gets you into the right atmosphere going into the episode, it makes the episode that much better. So like, for example, one of like the most, I, one of my favorite OPs, even though it's not a pretty good one to be quite frank, is one mm. of the early Naruto OPs. Uh, I can't remember which number OP is or which season Naruto it was, but it was um, Go by Flow mm. was the name of the song in the OP, mm -hmm. Fighting Dreamers. So if you've seen Naruto, you know the OP that I'm talking about. I go, we are fighting dreamers. <laughs> and it's just, a, it's just a hype song. There's no other way to put it. It just gets me grooving and it just gets me happy and it gets me in a, in a good mood. And when I'm watching Naruto, I just want to see epic ass fighting ninja coolness. Like there's no other way to put it. And Go by Flow is a really good song to just get me pumped and get me stoked to see ninjas like throw shuriken and shit. Yeah, like I feel like anime openings are the hype man for the main chorus, essentially. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes they're like more nostalgic or more calm and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But those can also be really good OPs, but they really set the mood. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. I also think that um, openings tend to be, they, they tend to have a, a higher budget for openings because they're able to reuse it every episode. Very true. And so I always appreciate when they get someone to do a, a unique animation style with a sort of a unique plot quote unquote plot for it um this is something we've talked about with fire force before uh with yep. the first opening of fire force how the events that happen in the in that opening don't necessarily happen in the main show or we don't mm -hmm. know if it'll happen in the main show but it seems like it's an independent piece uh so far at least I um, mean, it's really cool to see the introduction of characters. There's a lot of motion on screen, which is also something very important for both of us, I know. Oh, yes. Um, and like you were saying, the song kicks ass and it goes, it fits the mood perfectly. I think every single time we've watched Fire Force, the first OP for Fire Force, not the second one, mm -hmm. but every single time we've watched Fire Force during the first OP, I like sang the entire OP along with it every time because I'm just way too <laughs> stoked about it. Like, it's just super yep. fun of a song. Mm -hmm. And you bring up also another aspect of OPs, which I really like as well. Some OPs are really unique uh, and they do use some very interesting art style. And one really good example of a visually striking, unique opening is both seasons to Mob Psycho. That's true. So like if you ever watch Mob Psycho, um, both of the OPs, you should definitely sit through at least once and then just try and suck it in. I should say you should sit through it twice because the first time you're going to be like, what the heck is this? This is <laughs> very strange. There's a bunch of cacti turning into someone's hair 
turning into <laughs> like a dude's eyes bulging out of his face. Like what is what is going on? It's very um, experimental. It is very experimental. That's very true. But you should watch it a second time because if you've seen, especially if you've seen a lot of the show, you should watch it once at the start of the season and once at the end of the season because there's a surprisingly large amount of metaphor as well as uh ooh, how do i put it they, they they pay homage to certain subjects in the anime genre so like for example so like easter eggs you mean yeah like easter eggs but easter eggs to animation history not easter eggs to the show oh okay i know what you mean so like for example especially in the second season the entire first half of the opening is a bunch of visually striking effects that look really cool, but they're all in reference to old style ways to show moving picture. Because before we got film and before we got real animation studios like Walt Disney and stuff like that, there were ways for people to animate a moving image. Like, for example, if you ever take a flip book and you draw the flip book and you draw a frame and you just flip through it and it makes it you flip through it like like that and then you just get the full animation come out. Mm -hmm. those type of mechanisms have existed for quite a while and they demonstrate in the animation a variety of different ways that people used to do that so for example they have the spinning wheel of all the mobs moving up and down at the that's like the first main image in the op uh -huh. that is an homage to the old spinning wheels where you'd have a different figurine in a slightly different position and as you spun it if you looked in the center it would look like the figurine is moving mm-hmm and then they also had the slit frame um, motion where you would have a, a series of slits that you could pull across an image. And as you pulled it across, you could see the image move. Ah, okay. So all, like a bunch of different Easter eggs like that are throughout the entire OP. And then they also, on top of that, build in a bunch of imagery from the actual show itself that builds in themes of the show builds in character developments, themes, plot device themes, so on and so forth. So it's, I think, one of, in my opinion, one of the most well-thought-out OPs of all time. Yeah, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. It's not one of my favorites, but I definitely appreciate how much like nuance and attention to detail that those both of the openings have. Yeah, and then the second part of the opening is just gorgeous Sakuga. Like, it's just awesome fight <laughs> scenes that just look amazing. Yeah, it's pretty great. Which does also bring me to one of the other things that I criticize OPs for is they have to be consistent in some way. So, in my opinion, a good OP has to have one thing that it's trying to accomplish and it has to stick with it. So, for example, mm, in Mob okay. Psycho, it does a really good job of that by just trying to be thematically consistent. So you see the art style itself doesn't change throughout the entire OP. It stays relatively similar and psychedelic. And then mm -hmm. it also stays narratively consistent because throughout it has all these interesting Easter eggs that are harking back to the same idea. And then it mm. also is just referencing the plot and the characters uh, for the season as well. And so thematically, it doesn't change that much, although visually it is changing, which is what keeps it interesting, but also all put together. Mm -hmm. In contrast, there's a Naruto OP that I actually really dislike, and I think most of Naruto OPs are actually under this category, 
um, where it's called, oh, what's, I think it's like the seventh OP in Naruto. It's called Yura, Yura Yura, something like that. Sounds um, familiar. Yura Yura to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, 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 I don't remember do, do. what actually happens in the OP, though. That's that's the song, and the visually what happens is it's a outline figure of Naruto practicing his taijutsu. Mm. Like a silhouette of Naruto practicing his taijutsu. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, which in itself is actually pretty cool. And when it first starts, it's really promising as an OP because I think the art style is pretty different from what Naruto normally is. So it's refreshing and it's interesting and it's really pretty. But then it's mm -hmm. randomly interrupted with just still images of the cast. Oh, okay. And that's a bad OP in my opinion, because not only are you interrupting the flow of the animation, which is really cool, but it's also thematically not consistent. Like you're doing this whole narration of Naruto learning taijutsu and practicing his ninja techniques in this silhouette style, but then you're suddenly mm -hmm. interrupting it with, with just random memories. So there's not even like a consistent theme or a consistent artwork throughout the entire OP, which makes it really feel like a hack job more than anything else. Yeah, and along those same lines, uh, along the consistency lines, I really put a lot of value into how they transition between different scenes in the OP. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, like you were saying, with, instead of adding like a still image or something, they they need to be able to. If you're gonna have a still image, I think you need to be able to morph the image into the next one fluidly, uh, and that's something uh, that almost always ends up looking real cool when you have images sort of morphing into one another. Oh yeah, um, I'm trying to think of an example here. Have you seen Devilman Crybaby? Yeah, I don't remember what the OPs were, though. If you rewatch the OP to Devilman Crybaby, like 80% of it is still frame. But what they do is they don't show the entire image all at once. So they'll like pan from one side of the image to the next side. And then they also morph the image into the next image often. So there's like a okay. kind of like a blending almost like, well, not blending, but like the image itself like goes through metamorphosis into the next image often and it looks really good and it's really cool there's not a lot of actual character movement in that op okay yeah and i do like like i said i, do, I don't have a problem with still images i just think you have to be able to creatively uh transition in yeah. order to like sort of show a narrative for the opening i totally agree um, and another, I guess another one, this is not actually an anime, uh, but one opening that I just can't get out of my head, and they really do this morphing thing really well, and that's the opening to Castlevania. Oh, yes. Yeah. And 100% agree. Like, I, I have to pull this stuff up, because this shit is crazy. Uh how they're able to morph all these images. And I, I, I really want to look up the artist who did this. Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to take you through this real quick. So there's you want like... Me to put it up on the Twitch stream briefly? Yeah, you, you can do that too. Um, but there's a certain point, uh, I think like 30 seconds in, it really starts getting interesting because you see uh, Dracula 
kneeling down in front of uh, this woman who's up burning up on a stake. And then it shoot it has it shoots to a close up of the woman on the stake. And then all of a sudden she like sort of morphs into sand and just sort of crumbles. And then a hand comes out under this, catching the sand of and it's just and then it morphs into his whole body and it just I'm not doing a good job describing this, but, but like Yeah, but that that's one of my favorite openings of all time even though it's not anime specifically uh but i think they they really showcase like the limits of what you can do with uh opening animation and the music is goes along with it well there's no lyrics to it it's just ambient music that's supposed to set the mood and the tone for this type of show and it's like dark and gritty and fast-paced along with the actual animation itself. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And it, it, it works so fucking well. It does. They do a really good job with that opening. I really enjoyed it as well. Another thing that I really like in OPs, which I often find is a, a really good way to do an OP, um, Stan just basically brought up a, a one way to do OPs, which is where you have a bunch of artistically interesting designs, um or still frames for example like castlevania but one thing that you can do which is also really cool that i really like is when an op has its own story that it tells that is sometimes even independent of the season of anime that is premiering mm -hmm. so for example one show that does a really good job with that is konosuba have you ever seen konosuba yeah i don't remember the opening and there's so a the couple of them right there's a couple of them. The first opening is what I'm talking about in particular. Okay, I'll pull it up. Um, the first opening to Konosuba is really flipping good um, for a variety of different reasons. The music's okay. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of the music. It's okay. It does a good job mm. at setting the mood for the show. But the thing that all makes it really music. fun to watch is it's all a story of the main four characters basically going out on adventures and quests. Mm -hmm. And, like, the OP itself is kind of like its own comedic tale. Right. And it it's really well portrayed. It's really well animated. It's very funny. Like if you slow it down and just like watch the scenes that happen in the OP, it that alone just makes you laugh, which sets up the perfect <laughs> mood for the show because it's a comedy isekai. Mm -hmm. Similarly, the first season or the first OP from Fire Force did something also very similar where they had them basically going out and fighting this giant infernal. And it was basically a mini episode of the eighth squad going out and fighting this big inferno that appears in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. So OPs that do that are also often, in my opinion, really good. And they work really well because, like I said, thematically, it's going to be consistent because it's one story that is relevant to the main plot line. And... Um, also in terms of the art style, it's going to be the same because it's often going to be the same art style from the show itself. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, I'm also taking a look at the second season Konosuba opening. And something I really appreciate about this one is, uh, again, they're doing the comedic adventuring that's sort of uh, independent of what actually happens in the show. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are there's a certain point where you see all four of the heroes or people 
friends, whatever, together, and they're sort of just like, just sort of dancing or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and, I am thinking of the second um, opening. I'm not thinking of the first. I'm thinking of the second one. Because oh, at the end of the well, second opening, don't they all like really exhausted, like walk back home? No, that was the first. That was the first? Okay, then I was thinking yeah. of the first one. Um, I'm confusing it. But in this opening, I, I just like how they... Uh, the the narrative they're telling here is, is like, initially when they're all dancing together, they look really happy and everything. Mm-hmm. And they have three moments in the opening where they're dancing like this. And progressively throughout uh, these three dancing moments, they they look more and more, like, disheveled and tired and just angry at the world (laughs) and it's just a really cool transition to see and you can see why they feel that way too because of what is actually happening to them in the opening like they're getting eaten by frogs or something like (laughs) but it's just a really simple uh yet effective opening there like they're not Mm -hmm. doing anything special with the animation or the even the music i don't like either but uh it, it it tells a story very, uh, I guess, straightforwardly. It's it's very streamlined. Yeah, um, and it's it's funny, and it's it fits right. the theme of Konosuba, and it gets you mm-hmm. kind of in the mood for the show. So it, it really does its job mm-hmm. perfectly. It would be better if it had better music, but you know maybe the animators should hire us to choose their music for them. <laughs> yeah, if only. So those are all really good examples of good anime openings. The only other one that I want to bring up that I think also does a really good job uh, are anime openings that do a lot of really good foreshadowing, Mm -hmm. um, but in a lot of really subtle ways. So if you look at, for example, Devilman Crybaby, the OP is 100%, just a giant foreshadowing for the entire plot of Devilman Crybaby. Similarly, if you've ever seen Tokyo Ghoul, which is probably a more popular anime than Devilman Crybaby, because Devilman Crybaby is kind of out there and psychedelic. But have you seen Tokyo Ghoul ever, Stan? Mm-hmm. I saw you the remember first the f- So you know the first opening? I, I don't remember what it is. But... Uh, it's the, the, it has the whole sequence of, like, there's a lot of reflections going on. So the opening scene is uh the sky and this ground that is perfectly reflecting the sky and uh i can't remember his name but the main character on his chair being reflected by the ground and then you see um a bunch of other characters in scenes where they're either standing in that same image of the sky and then the reflected sky on the ground with them standing there or they're next to a mirror or a uh, a window and you can see their real person is their like human identity and in the window you see their ghoul face Mm. Um, and that entire opening does a really good job at basically summarizing what's going to happen in the plot because not only do you see the main character transition from being the black-haired protagonist that you're first introduced to to the white-haired murderous obsessed protagonist that you get that you turn into by the end of the show spoiler Mm. alert (laughs) mild spoilers um it transitions from him starting as that character and ending the op as the final character you end with at the end of the season but throughout Mm -hmm. the entire op you can slowly see him changing and you can also see even in the first five seconds it's basically his image of himself and then the screen title it brings up the title screen and it 
well, it shatters the image and then it recollects as the title screen, which is a really good metaphor for his personality essentially being shattered and he has to try and figure it out and bring his reality back into a clear image. Mm. There's a lot of imagery, a lot of metaphor in that entire OP that make that OP really freaking good. And My Mother's Basement did a really, really good job at analyzing that op i'll actually link that video in the description to his youtube video on his analysis to that op because it was really good uh i i definitely agree i i really like seeing that type of thing um but what i often i guess from my experience what i often see is i guess poorly done foreshadowing where they're actually Mm -hmm. revealing spoilers um that can be really series. bad. Yeah, th- this is what one thing not to do in an anime opening. Uh, don't actually reveal s- spoilers for what's going to happen. Like, I'm trying to think of a, a good example of this that I've seen recently. Yeah, it's hard for me to remember those types of anime openings because typically what ends up happening is I notice that there's a possibility for there being spoilers in the opening. And then for every single episode after that, I just skip it and I refuse to watch it anymore. And so because I've only ever seen it once, it doesn't stick in my brain. So I never remember those. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm the same way, too. Uh, I'm just. I just know that this has happened to me (laughs) too many times. Oh, yeah. There are sometimes mild spoilers that I can live with, like if they introduce characters in openings that um aren't that terribly big spoiler characters then that's fine with me i'm just like oh we're going to be introduced to these new set of characters this season that's cool i'm curious to see who those characters really are going to be what their context is like for example for the second fire force opening this season um we knew that we were going to be introduced to a bunch of evangelists Mm -hmm. pretty early on just because of not only the opening but also the new poster for the show uh, so those are like mild spoilers that I don't care about too much. But like, for example, if there was a character that was actually a big spoiler to know that they existed, like, for example, going back to Naruto, because this is a Naruto podcast, if they were to reveal Madara, Black Zetsu, and any OP before he actually appeared in the show, that would be huge spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the type of thing I'm talking about is when they, they show there's a lot of anime that will sort of redraw or take scenes from the actual anime itself that ha- just haven't happened yet. That's a really bad idea. That's a big no-no in my book. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, or situations where you have they show a specific character who you may or may not have been introduced to yet in the show, but mm-hmm. they show in, in the opening, they show this character in such a way that uh, leads you to question his, like his or her, I don't know if motivations is the right word, but like, for instance, if you have a character who you've been introduced to and they seem nice and friendly and they're the, main character's best friend or something but in the opening they show that same character doing something evil or like looking like they're plotting something evil 
something where you know that they're going to betray somebody at some point. And that's the type of thing I really hate saying. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, going leapfrogging into a similar problem that I have with OPs. Um, you mentioned when OPs take material just straight out of the episodes that they animated and they just kind of repurpose it for the OPs. Mm -hmm. The last thing that makes me really annoyed at OPs and what makes a really bad OP is when it's really obvious that they put like zero work into it. <laughs> and yeah, they can definitely. do that in two different ways. They can do it when either A, they did what you just mentioned, where they just repurpose animations from the actual show for the OP. I think that's stupid. Mm -hmm. Uh, because A, it can spoil things, and B, you're not actually making an OP. You're just like right. essentially making a music video for the show, which is not what an OP should be. Yeah, they're making an AMV out of their own anime. Which is stupid. <laughs> Let the fans do that. <laughs> but uh, the second thing I really, really hate is when they just draw really whatever scenes of characters. Like, for example, this is what Naruto suffers from a lot in a lot of its OPs, is a lot of its mm -hmm. OPs are just random pictures of characters doing things or characters standing places. Like you're just going around taking photos of characters in this universe. Ah, uh, yes. And that is something that I really, really despise because, yes, you're creating something for the OP, but, like, it almost looks like what my dad does in iMovie for our family vacations. <laughs> he takes a bunch of photos from our vacation he puts them next to each other in a movie format, and then he plays music to them. Like, I get my dad didn't draw those pictures. Like, you actually put in more effort because you drew all those panels for your OP. But they're not animated. They're often really stupid. Even if they are animated, they often don't tell you anything about the show except for, here's an important character. Here's an important character. Here's another important character. Maybe this is supposed to be a good character, and this is supposed to be an antagonist. Um, and like mm -hmm. that, that's not that helpful of an OP. Like really good OPs tell you like interactions between characters, like what you just said in Konosuba. It shows you in both of the OPs for Konosuba, it shows you essentially the personalities of each character, what they boil down to. They mm -hmm. often show Megumin being just like fireball and then exhausted, defenseless. <laughs> they often show darkness getting her freaking SM on. They often show. <laughs> Um, uh, Aqua being absolutely ridiculous and derpy. Like, they show you uh, something about their personalities and how they interact mean. with each other. <laughs> and they also show you, like, the general idea of what the plot is going to be, how these characters mm -hmm. are going to be going on quests, getting kind of beaten up, <laughs> going home all tired and exhausted and, <laughs> and like, demoralized. Mm -hmm. It's fun. But if you just show a bunch of sequence of characters and then maybe show who's a good guy, who's a bad guy, like what have you learned? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I There's another anime I'm thinking of that sort of... It, it, doesn't, it doesn't flip anything on its head, but it takes the simple route out so what i'm thinking specifically of is the bacano opening and i don't know if you've seen that before oh it's been a while but i have seen it yeah so i haven't seen bacano but i've seen the opening shows you how much i care about openings okay that that's fine <laughs> um but essentially what happens 
in the opening is they they do a bunch of character introductions essentially and they do i don't know if there's a name for this but they model it after like early 2000s sitcoms essentially so they'll have mm-hmm. they'll have like a short animation of two people doing whatever together and then it'll sort of zoom in on one person and freeze the frame show their name at the bottom essentially if if you know what i'm talking about uh and it's it's not showing necessarily who's evil and who's good in the show it just shows like 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 you were saying how it shows the character interaction uh and it show it shows personality of each of the people involved yeah. which i really like uh and then every transition between all and they go through like a dozen characters at least in the opening but every transition uh between the different scenes is really seamless there, like there's one instance where i'm one scene I'm thinking of there's there's a scene where this girl has like a knife in her hand and she goes to slash across the frame of the camera yeah uh, and then the camera sort of follows that track and sort of opens the next scene into an explosion at the end of the knife stroke and you see these two people running out of a building that type of thing yeah it, it's transitions like that that I really appreciate uh, where they're they're like they're melding the act like completely separate actions into like one seamless flow of time, essentially. Yeah, that's a really good example of how to pull it off well. I wish more anime OPs did dynamic cuts like that between their scenes. It would be really cool. Mm-hmm. To an extent, they do that actually in the Fire Force OP in the first one. Not not as artsy as Bakano, but they do it in a mm-hmm. pretty good way. Yeah, I I, th- I think Bakuno is just a really good example uh, of how to of just how you can do that type of thing. Well, I only have one other thing to say about OPs. If you're ready to slowly wrap this up, and what's that? I want to hear what your top three OPs of all time are. <laughs> if you had to name your three favorite OPs of all time, what are they? Oh man! All right, so. In no particular order of like favorites, um, but one of them would definitely be. I have to choose something from Naruto, <laughs> so it's the. Is it gonna be sign? It, yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> the Shippuden opening six, uh, sign. Uh, I really like that one because, for, first of all. I think the music the music was a really good choice. Uh, it definitely goes along with the pacing of the actual animation, uh, mm-hmm. as well as setting the tone uh, for what's actually happening in the story. I totally agree. I also really like how they chose to uh, do... They, they did two different types of sakuga in the opening, uh, and both of w- one of which was completely unrelated, not unrelated, but it's not it's a ah, it's a new piece of animation that doesn't actually happen in the actual anime itself. And the other uh, sakuga is 
along the same lines, the Sakuga actually happens in the main anime story, but there's there are new scenes that were not drawn for the actual fights that they show. Uh, so it's still they still had to like create that. It, it wasn't they were taking snippets from the anime. So it still feels fresh. It doesn't feel exactly. reused. Right. And especially since they did it in a different art style from the main anime. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of them. Uh, another would be... I want to say One Punch Man, but... I, oh, you took one I of mine. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I So this... I, I'll go ahead and pick it just, just for the hell of it. Um, Really but good. this one I like for similar reasons as the Naruto one. Like the music is just like high octane. What? <laughs> like that's the type of music you play when you're going to the gym and you're trying to get shredded or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the animation itself is obviously very beautiful. It's completely independent from any of the monsters you see in the actual story. Yeah. Uh, and they have, uh, I think, the transitions between each of the fights that you see Saitama in were really well done. And at the end, you see these still images of the the disaster levels, but they actually have, like, the tiger, a demon, a dragon, and whatnot. And yeah. they're just so beautifully drawn. Uh, the attention to detail is really up there for that one. Um the dragon kind of reminds me of um, the dragon from Dragon Ball Z. You right? <laughs> yeah. I I just think they do a really good job of scale as well in that opening mm -hmm. uh, because they're really trying to get the point across that Saitama is this all-powerful being despite going up against what you would normally consider to be an all-powerful being. Because all of the monsters, most of the like creatures and monsters he's fighting in the opening are like stories tall and he's just a normal sized human. And so they they really play with scale. Um, and especially when you see him running really fast and you have this lightning bolt that strikes his head or you see a fissure open up in the Arctic and like, it's just yeah. crazy what, how they play with scale there. Uh, and then I guess my last... The last one, if I had to choose three, I don't like that question. Um, I'm going to go with an Attack on Titan opening. Ooh. Um, and I don't know if I would choose the first or second opening. These, they're both from season one. Um, I just feel like the song and the way... I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, you can sing it, huh? <laughs> but I, I think they really do a good job of setting the tone and pace for the show, as well mm. as uh, doing different foreshadowing bits without getting into spoiler territory. I agree. I totally agree. They foreshadow Annie a lot without actually spoiling, spoiling who the heck she is. But if you mm -hmm. watch, if you rewatch it, you're like, oh, duh, it was Annie. I should have seen this from the first day. Yeah. 
that that wasn't really spoilers y'all don't if you haven't seen attack on titan all you heard me say is it was annie you don't know anything about annie you will learn <laughs> about okay. annie she's, if you watch she's not important anymore no she's really not <laughs> it's like maybe minor spoilers for season one um but those yeah those would be three that i'll choose i still have so many more i would love there's so many great about. ops out there but what about yourself? What are your top three? Um, so I'll I'll change one of mine because I I was gonna actually say One Punch Man as well. <laughs> um, but since you mentioned it, I'll I, it gives me the freedom to pick a third one. <laughs> to our listeners, Stan just slipped me off. <laughs> He's rather upset now <laughs> that yeah, I get I essentially pick four. No, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have it's given your three. Here. Yeah, okay. Um, so I would probably say the first opening from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Oh, I love that one too. Right. I wanted to I want that one to be on the bracket. Although my issue is I like almost all of the, <laughs> the FMA full ones. Metal, yeah, the, the Brotherhood. The endings opens. are also really good for FMA too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the one where it's like uh, Winry with her like eyes closed, like just like mouthing the lyrics, like "I'm a mission That's something I really like. Uh, not a lot of openings do that, where the the character in the opening is like mouthing what either the like, either a narrator or a or the music is saying, essentially. It's sort of like breaking the fourth wall in that way. Yeah, I, I really love that opening OP quite a lot because of the the imagery with Winry mouthing the lyrics. It does a really good job. Um, it also has just a lot of really beautiful imagery throughout the entire opening itself. Plus, it's just a really fun song. Mm -hmm. I The song just gets me hype every single time. So... It's definitely one of the best OP OPs out there, in my opinion, for sure. It definitely sets up the series for success. Mm -hmm. um, another one that I'd like to put out there ooh, ooh, is... Oh, okay, this one's actually pretty easy. This one's also obviously, I think, a top three of mine. The third one's going to be hard to pick, but I think these two are like my two favorites. Definitely top two. Yeah. The fourth OP from Haikyuu. Oh, yes. Hi. Yeah. Yeah, that, that shit one, is good. It, it's really beautifully drawn. I love production IG. Oh yes, I know, right? <laughs> Top class for sure. But yeah. it's it's good for, I guess, kind of a reason that we didn't mention in our discussion. But it's really good because the peaks, the climaxes, the low points of the song are really well timed with the animation. So whenever there's like a really sudden peak or a really sudden high, it's often um, timed perfectly with like a spike of the volleyball, for example, yeah. or um, a, a dive or anything like that, or um, anybody doing a really good set and then spike and setting it for uh, a Hinatsu to spike and stuff like that. And it's it just gets you so hyped. Like it's it that that would be like the song that I would watch before watching the Olympics or sorry, the song I would listen to before watching <laughs> the Olympics. It's like get ready to cheer anyone on, which is perfect for mm -hmm. a sports anime. 
Yeah, I I also really like this one. I was thinking about choosing this one as well. Yeah. Um, and there's like, they also do a really good job of playing with your field of depth in that opening. Very so true. There's, yeah, there's a lot of scenes where the ball is coming at you or someone is diving at the camera. Sometimes um, they go first person perspective as well. Exactly. Which I, is I not really very like common. Their, how they play with perspectives, like you're saying. Yeah, I think all of Haikyuu's openings are really, really good. The main reason why I point out four, I think four and one are my favorite out of all the Haikyuu ones, four though the most, mm -hmm. because the songs are the best. Uh, yeah. One is pretty fun. It gets me pretty stoked. The one is also really good because it does kind of the same thing as Konosuba does, where it tells the story of the anime, where it shows essentially them training, and it shows them a normal day of practice in the volleyball club. Uh, yeah. which is a really good opener in general. Um, four does, doesn't do that as much, but both of them have really good music, really beautiful animation, and they're very consistent, and they just are hype as hell. The second and the third one are also good in terms of animation, but I just like the songs less. Right. I so agree. they won't compare to the other two, but four, by far the best, and it's definitely one of my favorite OPs of all time. Mm -hmm. For my last one, I was going to say One Punch <laughs> Man, but... <laughs> So your fourth option. I'm like torn. So I would I would probably have to say Promise Neverland. I don't remember what the opening was. I'm going to look it up real quick, but keep talking. I'm like torn because I think I'm only saying Promise Neverland because normally I would say Tokyo Ghoul. Or maybe even Fire Force. But I really like Promise Neverland, and we haven't mentioned it yet. So I think for that reason, I'll say Promise Neverland because it hasn't gotten any love on this show yet. And I really love the OP for Promise Neverland. Um, I love it because it it's a really good song that gets you excited for the thriller action aspect of the show. Um, but it uses instruments that are not terribly common in an OP. It has a really good sax, uh, really good sax mm -hmm. solo, mm -hmm. which is epic. Um, and then third, I think, is a lot of the imagery in it is a lot of that really good foreshadowing that doesn't give away the plot. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so terribly important for a show like Promise Neverland because if you were to tell anyone what the show is about, it basically spoils episode one, and. Normally, right. I don't care about spoiling one episode. Spoiling one episode is normally like, whatever, it's one episode. That's not the entirety of the show. Move on. Not a big whoop. But mm -hmm. the reveal in episode one is so good in Promise Neverland, I refuse to tell anyone what that show is about ever. I'll just be yeah. like, yo, my friend, you need to see this anime right now. You just have to trust me. I'm not going to tell you anything about it because it'll spoil episode one. <laughs> just watch it right now because it's fucking good. Uh, like, I think I did that to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is the only anime I would ever do that as well. Because usually the first episode, there isn't any spoilers that matter for the rest of the season. But this is the one exception. I think it's just such a good reveal. Like the animation and the soundtrack to Promise Neverland is so good that the reveal is just like heart stopping for episode one. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I think the OP does such a good job at amping up the suspense, getting you excited about the show, 
And you don't even, I'm pretty sure in the first episode, there isn't an OP. I think it only comes in in episode two. And if you watch episode mm. one to two back to back, watching that OP for the first time in episode two is so hype because you just had that big reveal in episode one. Yep. And then you watch the OP for episode two and you're like, let's go, fam. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was just uh, taking a look at the OP here as well. And the, the butterfly really imagery like... is so good. Yeah, I was going to say, I really like the the puzzle symbolism. So they're in the background, yeah. they have a lot of puzzle pictures and whatnot. And at the very end, you see them breaking out of a puzzle piece, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Um, it has it has a lot of really good metaphors. It has foreshadowing. And I think the thing that also makes it really good on top of that is it also does the thing where it kind of tells a story within the OP because it shows mm. you how they're essentially training to try and solve the puzzle i'll say because i don't want to spoil it for our, view, our <laughs> listeners who haven't seen it yet yeah it's so good it's absolutely wonderful if you haven't seen promise neverland it's like one of the best recent anime to come out mm -hmm. like out of all the new anime out there it's definitely top 10 yeah yeah the past when did it come out not this, uh, year, this year last year sure. i thought it was sure last 2019 fall. was it last fall was it yeah, because it came out before then? Demon Slayer and all of that. Well, Demon Slayer came out in the spring, which is still 2019. It did come out this year. Aired January 2019, finished March 2019. Okay, January. It still was I winter, told you it was this year. It was really early on. So, yeah. Yeah, de definitely, though, in the past like year or so, it's one of the top anime. Yeah, for sure. So those would be my top three. Promise Neverland, IQ, Full Metal. Promise Neverland, IQ 4, Full Metal 1. <laughs> Specifically Brotherhood, because Full Metal Alchemist, the first OP I think is actually it's a pretty good, but not as good as the Brotherhood one. Hmm. Well, time to watch an OP we don't like as much, unfortunately. We could skip it. <laughs> we, could, we could skip the OP. That is fair. That is we actually very true. Yet. Yeah. But we shall transition now over into episode 17 of Fire Force. Thank you for listening to us so far. If you want to hear our comments, our reactions, and our thoughts on episode 17, stick around. We will be back shortly. See you all in a bit. Hello and welcome back to Imbibe and Anime. We just finished watching episode 17 of Fire Force. Uh, diddly. Yeah. And I guess we can jump straight into our first impressions here. Mott, what are you thinking? I think this, this is this actually straight up one of the best episodes of Fire Force yet. I sort of agree. I, I feel almost neutral about it. I, I also um, don't feel amazingly about it. I don't think this is like an hype-ass episode of anime that makes me super stoked and happy right. about life. Like, this isn't an episode 19 of Demon Slayer by any means, but <laughs> this is one of the best, if not the best, episode of Fire Force, meaning it's actually a good episode. It was very stable, for lack of a better word. Like, it was... Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. There there were some like transition confusion that we were pointing out during the episode, but overall I I, I did like the pacing. Uh, I don't think there were any huge plot discrepancies. Um, I agree. Things that they just blatantly did wrong. Um, and I there were a lot of there were some moments that I really appreciated the episode too, as well. Yeah, I think the the weak point on the show just continues to be the transition between frames and the transition in storylines. Like mm-hmm. they, they the show often results on tell do not show. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is they'll cut from one scene to the next, um, and it won't make any sense if you saw the two scenes back to back. But like maybe they'll briefly say, "Oh, Shinra went to the Amaterasu," and then it'll all of a sudden show him in the middle of Amaterasu talking to Joker, right? Like it's right, it's a right. bad transition where they just try and say something to make up for the fact that it's bad transition, but it's still just a bad transition. Same thing mm-hmm. happened here again with the fifth captain where she just suddenly was there freeing Shinra, and she's like, oh, yeah, I arrived because I heard from the bug on uh, Sister that something was going down. Uh, yeah. Which, like, it's still a bad transition, but they just try and justify it with that reasoning. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. definitely still a weak point in the show, and it continues to happen, and I don't see that getting better. Yeah, um, but before I, I, I don't, before I start knocking it, yeah, um, I, I want to. I really, really appreciated them doing the third different intro yes. for yes. the this second half of the season. I Let's was go! Really fam. happy about that. This is something that I this, I said this last week. I really wanted them to keep up the different like narration of history at the beginning with the unique animation that they had. For sure, uh, and we learned some interesting things with it too. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, we learned that uh, the f- the original flame that was found by, I can't remember his name, but that original emperor Rolf, dude. Rattle something with an R. Yeah, the third yeah. or the first or whoever. Yeah. Um, the original flame that he found was made into Amaterasu. So if mm-hmm. we assume that that original flame is essentially like the pure flame that they, that they describe, that right. is also then you know, paralleled to the Abdullah burst, we can assume that like the original flame is an Abdullah burst of some sort, which is powering Amaterasu. What form that yeah. takes, we still don't quite know. It could be a demon. It could be just an actual flame itself that's somehow transported. It could mm-hmm. be a person. We really have no idea what it is, but yeah. we at least know that the Abdullah burst is immediately linked to the Amaterasu now, which is pretty cool. And potentially, mm-hmm. Another not too headcanony speculation you could make: Vulcan's family is somehow related to that dude. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Uh, in the episode, he mentions that his family created Amaterasu, mm-hmm. and we already know that him, his father, and his grandfather, as well as the third captain, were working heavily on the uh, energy plant. So I'm really curious to see how that develops. Um, I am too. I really want to know more about the history or anthology of Vulcan's family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was another really good piece of information. Um, I'm I'm hoping they actually like do something with it. I I don't want them to sort of leave it dangling the entire series. 
I think they will explaining that comment. I think they will probably explain something with it. Um, this is more head cannony, I think, or at least more in the speculative region. But if you mm -hmm. assume that that person who found the original flame is like one of the first emperors, because he does have an emperor like name, right? The first right. or whatever he was named mm -hmm. is Vulcan's family royalty. That's a good question. And if they're royalty, the current emperor is essentially in charge of the fire force, right? Because he's the head of the religious sect, which is one mm -hmm. of the three organizations that created the fire force. Mm -hmm. So then if Vulcan's family is related to royalty somehow in their ancestry, why do they hate the fire force? That might be part of it, though, because yeah. the the fact that the emperor is in charge of the entire fire force, there is probably some schism. Even if, even if the, even if Vulcan is not related to the emperor directly, I'm sure there had to be some schism between his family line and then the people who control Amaterasu right now. Which yeah, is probably exactly. why Vulcan doesn't want to, didn't want to cooperate with the fire force. And Vulcan himself doesn't know the whole details behind it, right? Because he was talking to his father and his grandfather, being like, am I somehow betraying you by now wanting to work with the Fire Force? I don't fully understand this all. And he also mm -hmm. didn't know anything about the key. It was his grandfather's device that mm -hmm. had the key hidden. So it really does seem that Vulcan doesn't know anything about his family history either. So I don't think we'll learn about it anywhere in the near future. But I definitely do think we will learn about it. And I'd be curious to see if there was somehow a relationship between Vulcan's family and the emperor, and if there's somehow, like you're saying, a schism that drew the two parts of the family apart from each other, right. that now you have the people who are the engineers related to Vulcan directly who like don't want anything to do with the Fire Force, and then the other part of the family that's stuck with the Fire Force and maintains control of the Fire Force. Yeah, it's some really interesting lore that I, I, I can't wait to see them develop. It's Agreed. really promising for, for that uh, plot track, specifically. The other lore, which I found really exciting, is we got to learn that Joker and the scientist dude who he's allied yeah. with, who's in the Fire Force, uh, are not allied necessarily with the, the, with evangelist. the evangelist. Which is interesting, because now we really don't know anything about their motive. Right. And I'm gonna, I do want to go back and check like when they first introduced the Joker and the scientist dude, because mm -hmm. I, I thought that they had interacted with the evangelist prior to this. They may have um, interacted with him. They definitely I, know something about the evangelist that they're not sharing with the fire. Right. Th that's true. Cause no, no one even knows. I don't even know if they realized that Joker held up show to let them escape. I couldn't tell if they actually acknowledged. I don't think they acknowledged it, at least. They didn't acknowledge it, but they at never the same time. While that was happening. So it, maybe they knew about it and they just didn't animate it. I don't know. Maybe that'll come up next episode. Yeah, there's no way to know uh, until the next episode, if anything. But that is a very interesting development. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, I, I don't even know what in the world they could possibly 
what their aim could be or how many people are in their group. Is it just those two? True. We don't know necessarily. They the haven't shown anyone else influence. that has the, associated with them, right? The other interesting thing is we know now that the corporation, Hygiema or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. are not on are not universally allied with the evangelist either. What do you mean? The scientist dude is from Hygiema. He is from Hygiema. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So Hygiema as an organization are not universally allied with the evangelist. Right. That just means that the third captain. Yes, the third captain is. But that and the Wait. third captain may be high up in Hygiema, but all of right. Hygiema is not necessarily allied with the evangelist. And the, the cool thing about this episode is it does tell us it's not black and white. It's not like Hygiema mm-hmm. and the Evangelist versus all the rest of the Fire Force. It's not going to be that clear cut. Right. And that's also showcased in part by the fifth captain because she's also associated with Hygiema. True. Um, but obviously she didn't know the plans of the third captain. And she's yep. still helping everyone. So For a hot sec there, what, when we saw the fifth captain show up and rescue Shinra... I was expecting her to be allied with the third captain secretly for a hot sec there. That's I was what like, I thought. <laughs> is she going to backstab Shinra? And like, actually, she's also an evangelist. Like, I kind of liked that a bit more than what ended up happening, just because of the fact that the fifth captain doesn't have any personality at all right now. And at least making her a betrayer makes her more interesting. Yeah, I mean, she she's sort of a circumstantial character like she doesn't impact the main plot and if she did betray shinra she would be impacting the main plot line there the the last thing that i want to talk about that i think was really hype this scene was actually Mm. the action sequences two in particular Um, okay first of all shinra flying into the rescue was dope as fuck yes flying animation from shinra weaving through the two evangelists that were battling arthur that was really cool. I really appreciated them actually doing their job and animating action sequence as well. Uh, the fire mm-hmm. uh, animation was also pretty good for that. Uh, and then the other one was the very brief but still dope looking uh, fights that Sh- uh, Show was involved with. So yeah, with the versus, Joker, with the Joker, but then also versus Arthur and Shinra. That was also pretty good. Um, I liked yeah. all of the animation that was around Show's action uh, shows fire style um i'm curious what it is somehow it controls his speed it seems uh i'm yeah. not that excited to hear the reasoning for it because most of the reasoning feel like 70 percent bs 30 percent creativity <laughs> fair enough but it, it looks does, cool as shit <laughs> it, it seems interesting because it's always accentuated by these uh feathers these like glowing feathers yeah, and it sort of it sort of reminds me of the fifth captain, how her fire is accentuated by leap or uh, flower petals. Yeah, true. Um, it's very beautifully done. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to see some cool fights there. Joker's powers were also very well animated. Joker looked sick AF when he was fighting. I'm really curious exactly how his power works. He's a second generation user. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it seems like he his thing is more involved with ash specifically yeah as opposed to open flames because he he's able to like teleport like yeah somehow. right and i don't quite know how that works I don't want them to justify it either because I know they're going to do a bad job. But <laughs> they have to justify it, though, which is the unfortunate thing it's, about it. But... Right. I guess we do need to figure out how it works. Like, uh... But I think it's a cool concept. Uh, I just yeah. don't think they're going to execute on the justification. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully they do a good job with it. Um, but I don't have high hopes for that, at least. But that yeah, was the last thing that I was super hyped about. Yeah, the 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 fight scenes definitely give me hope for uh, future fight scenes. Like they didn't oh, go yeah. all in on any of the fights here. It was just sort of a hit and run type thing. Yeah, none of it was real uh, Sakuka. Right, and I'm it it does give me hope though that they'll they're gonna have a full on fight with some of these people. Yeah, when they bring on special and animators it. to do Sakuga scenes, it's going to be amazing. Oh, I really hope they, they do something special. I want to see something good, Mott. I want so, to I want them to like dedicate like half an episode to a fight scene. Like a Naruto I, Sasuke at the Valley of the End. Sure. So the, I guess that's what I'm comparing to. <laughs> <laughs> that would be sick AF if Show and Just Shinra like did something like, like that. that. I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be that grandiose. No, it, like does. it, it could. It, does. it can be like a Kakashi Obito fight. Type no deal. No, I want Show and Shinra at the Valley of the End. That has I to be at it. the end of the series, though. We have to have something in between. It needs to be at a climax. It doesn't need to be the end of the series. It could be the midpoint of the series. It could be the or end of this season. The midpoint of the series. It could be the end of this season. Then they do season two some that's other the, shit. That's the end. That's what I just said. The end it's of the, the season. end of the series, not the season. Okay, but like you Even know what Yusha. I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> I didn't. I thought you meant like Naruto Sasuke, like value the end part two, like very ends of Naruto Sasuke fight. I'm talking about like no. the Sasuke retrieval arc fight. I just mean end of season climax. Yeah, it could be the end of season climax. Which so. is coming up. So hopefully we get that this season. That would be really cool. Yeah, uh, I think they might. Uh, I, I would bet that Sho and Shinra are going to have another meet before the end of the series. Um, and there's only how many episodes are left? There's like that was 17. Two, there are at least 24, so there's at least seven left, which is about almost two months. Okay, yeah, almost a month two and months. a half. Yeah, like you said. Okay, that's all I wanted to say about Fire Force, though. I don't really have anything else I wanted to. Bring up. Uh, I have small little picky things, these are just very brief things to point out that I didn't like as much. Um, what's that? Uh, they still do random ass gendered shit in there that annoys me. Uh, the two examples uh, yeah. are uh, the random cutscene where it's just like a f just like the new scene transition is just staring at the fifth captain's breasts, which is why. Yeah, that that, that stuff still annoys me. Um, the least the, amount of fan service in the episode, though. That's that that's is true. A, <laughs> an accomplishment Step in the right for direction. Yeah. But and then the other thing that kind of annoyed me was the way that they uh, animated the table sequence, because it was 
yeah really weird the perspective that they drew because they had all the men minus the lieutenant who was sitting in the way back and then they had separated off from them the three women from the eighth squad uh tamaki maki and uh sister like kind of in a far off corner and it right. made it look like they are just completely irrelevant side characters that have nothing to do with the plot. And let's just have the real characters talk for a second, which is one of those sequences where I understand it's a hard scene to draw because if you actually drew it in the correct order, you would be having some people's face uh, backsides blocking off the faces of other people. Mm -hmm. um, but so then like you'd be physically blocking off, say, for example, Tamaki or Maki. Uh, because right. Obi's back, the backside of Obi's head would have been covering the front side of Maki, for example, uh, which maybe would have been a little awkward, which is why they opted to like push them a bit to the left. But in so doing, they made Tamaki, Maki, and sister look really small, and also look them make them almost look like random arbitrary backdrop figures, which is yeah. stupid when the random arbitrary backdrops figures are all the female characters of the squad. And then the main crew is just all the male characters of the squad. Because it's just, I mean, it's just a gendered cast then at that point. And it's a small minutia when it comes to gender equality and storytelling. But it's still important stuff here. I mean, like all this, mm -hmm. all the way that you depict men and women and gender stereotypes in anime does have an impact on the viewer. And small details yeah. like this in good studios won't happen. Or in good, well, not even studios, but good mangaka won't do this. Because right. they have a balanced set of characters, and that includes balance in gender as well. It's it includes a variety of different things: balance in personalities, balance in strengths, a balance in humor, and a balance in gender. And it's definitely missing a balance in gender in this show. That just continues to bother me. Yeah, and that's definitely not going to get any better. No, it's just a, it's just a problem with the mangaka. The mangaka just does not write strong female characters and continues to illustrate them as side acts or sidekicks or kind of irrelevant people. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking back at the scene you're talking about, and I think the female characters are like drawn into the background. Yeah. While, right. Uh, the men are talking essentially it's. And the thing sad. that, also kind of gets me is you could make the argument that it's like oh but it's the three female characters and the first lieutenant it's not like it's all the female characters and that's like why they're in the back well right before that scene on the table all the female characters are talking about the fact that the first lieutenant cooked the meal so he's more of a woman than they are and then they put him in the back with all yeah. of the women it's yeah it still is emphasizing women are separate from and not good enough like compared to, the to be main it, characters and like this one right. male character is not a main character because he's feminine right <laughs> it's still that's how it comes across the same bullshit um so that's a bummer and i mean that's never gonna get better but that's like why this show will never be a nine or a because it's just missing those small details that make amazing shows amazing because they're just good in every aspect and this show just isn't that yeah and an another issue i wanted to bring up is it has to do with the third captain mm -hmm. the 
well, first of all, there was the scene where his his beak mask <laughs> was like squished, squished in, and then it pops out, flaccid, if you will, and then it becomes erect, <laughs> and it like wa- like wobbles, and I'm just like, it has the whole sound effect to it too. First of all, I thought it was made of metal because it looks like it has rivets in it. <laughs> and, or leather or some sort of sturdy material. Right. Obviously, it's not supposed to be made of rubber, which is the only thing that would do that. Um, <laughs> which already made his character has been getting more ridiculous to me because they start out the episode with him doing the still movement again with just his arm moving, smashing the thing over and over. And they, they wait a few seconds before explaining, like, is he still hitting Vulcan or he's like, like smashing the robot thing. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, I feel like that was happening for too long. Um, And I'm also thinking that, and I could be wrong about this, but I, I just can't get the idea out of my mind that he's just sort of a Wiko character that, like, can't really fight. Yeah, it almost feels like they haven't committed to what type of character the third captain is supposed to be. Like, he's supposed mm-hmm. to be this master tactician because, you know, he totally talks down to Shinra and they're fighting the woods. Like, you're such right. an imbecile. I'm far superior than you. But when it comes to his actual um, scene in the workshop or combat, he looks really simplistic. Uh, And then he Mm -hmm. even says like, oh, I got carried away there and I was stupid. And it's like really easy to push him, push his buttons. So in terms of his fighting aspects, it feels like they can't decide what type of character he should be. And then also in his character they don't really decide what he should be either because he seems like he should be this dastardly serious antagonist um in the way that he talks to vulcan and the way that Mm -hmm. he treats people but at the same time he's also supposed to be portrayed as really comedic right like that's the whole bashing of his stick on vulcan and on the machine and that's also the whole thing with his beak just being all floppy and weird but he's also supposed to be serious like they just can't commit to what trope he should be they can't do both is the problem. Mm-mm. And even in this episode, he didn't feel like a mastermind because of how subservient he felt towards show. Who's obviously yeah. way younger than him already, but show is a much more menacing character. Uh, and not only because they haven't revealed his motivations, but because of his facial expressions and how he interacts in the situation. Um, and I mean, they definitely don't use any comic relief with show as they do with the third captain. True. So I, I'm starting to dislike his character more. I thought he could be a really cool antagonist, um, but they're not giving me anything to work with. His power sucks. He's his character sucks. Like it, I I don't like his his character. Yeah, you bring up a good point, and I. I definitely agree with you there. So if you're going to give this a mouse score out of 10, what would you give this episode, Stan? I think overall, this still did a lot better than, like you were saying, I think this is one of the best episodes we've had so far. Uh, I I would give it an 8. If I could do 
in betweens, I would do 8.5, maybe 8.3 or something. Um, but I'll give natural it a solid numbers. eight. For a natural number podcast. I know. I'll give it an eight. I can't give it a nine, though. It, no, not, no, it's not nine. No. It's not nine. But I'll um, give it an eight. I was pleased by this episode very much. So, so. I'm disappointed because I have to agree with you. So I'm going to be boring <laughs> and saying eight as well. Um, yeah, it was there was a lot of lore to be had from this episode. There were some pretty mm-hmm. dope action sequences, and it really showed the promise of the whole idea behind Fire Force. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's it got me really excited about what's going to come up. Uh, and it was an above exactly. average episode for sure. So it's definitely an eight for me as well. Mm-hmm. So final comments, any final? Pre- oh, predictions. Predictions. Shall we do quick predictions? I've got one real quick that I want to shout out there. Yeah, go um, for it. This is more of what I want to see more than an actual prediction. So I don't even know if this is going to happen. I actually don't think it will, but I think it would be really cool if this did happen. Um, I think it would be awesome if... So let me let you follow my train of thought real quick. Joker has been, in some degree, actually helping Shinra along in a weird antagonistic way, right? Yes. So like he told Shinra about his brother. He's kind of let Shinra understand a little bit also about um, demons because he used that dust from the Infernals during their fight. Um, he has in some way guided Shinra when they met in the Amaterasu as well. What I think might be cool is Joker and the scientist and whoever they represent acts as a morally ambiguous character. So someone who's not necessarily a protagonist, someone who doesn't necessarily have good intentions, but acts in some ways as a guide for Shinra. So I think it'd be pretty cool if Joker in the future episodes of the show, maybe this is season two of Fire Force or something like that, but if he were to act almost like an antagonistic Jiraiya to Naruto, you know, it's, like he's it's a, like, it's more like the Orochimaru to Sasuke. Yes, exactly. Where he's like, he's not a good guy, but he really helps Shinra progress in his knowledge of how to use his fire and his knowledge exactly. of the universe and his knowledge of the actual bad guys and maybe even in some way helps the good guys along but is kind of an antagonistic feature or character in himself and i think that'd be really interesting if they did that with joker and i think that would make his character go from like a potentially interesting guy to like a really this is a really cool character i like this character a lot yeah and I, I definitely agree with you. I think Joker is like the number one wild card on the show right now. Yeah, which I'm super stoked about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have any predictions for the next episode. I'm trying to think. I mean, again, I just have like certain things I wish for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's hard to say exactly how it'll happen just because we they still end- want more Tamaki or sorry more Maki Maki yeah uh, but since they, they end- I think they essentially ended the arc here Vulcan's initiation arc uh, so they might start They'll wrap new- it up next episode probably yeah I mean they might address it I think they're gonna start a new arc the next episode though so like it's hard to tell what exactly is going to happen i agree but again i i want more explanation of 
the scientist dude. Um, mm-hmm. I still want Shinra to talk to the first captain. That hasn't happened yet. And they, he, the first captain hasn't even been on screen for a while now. No, they need to loop back to him at some point. It might take a while. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just overall curious to see how they also get the seventh squad involved in whatever they're doing. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'm not surprised they didn't show up here. Um, although it was kind of odd that the fifth captain showed up, but it also sort of made sense. Um, but now that the seventh captain is helping the eighth squad, I, I want to see them get more screen time and involved in these ep- uh, um, investigations, as well as the dude from the first squad. I don't remember his name, the ice dude that said he was going to help them. I, I just want to see them all have some like, I don't know, like war war meetings squad up. Like, I want to see them planning shit together you want a climax <laughs> oh do i want <laughs> stan wants a climax right now you can quote me on that one <laughs> <laughs> i will it'll be the opener to this episode <laughs> stan wants to <the> climax <laughs> there's no way that could be taken out of context no, not at all. <laughs> but yeah, that that's all I have to say, though. Fair enough. About predictions and future things. Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for joining us again on Vibe and Anime. We sure enjoyed talking about our anime openings and Fire Force, as always. If you have any comments you want to make, uh, please feel free to email us. Uh, at imbibeandanime at gmail.com. Uh, visit us on SoundCloud, Spotify. Uh, we have a Twitter. Not... Follow us there. We'll make our comments on that as well. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate all the new views and getting uh, new listens. I mean, uh, it's it's really been increasing our ego. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> like and leave a comment if you like and vibe and anime any any good review or any share uh really helps us reach new listeners so we really appreciate that as well yeah and uh, join us next time we'll be doing this again next week hopefully with our tournament bracket for anime openings and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get our special guest back on uh I'll leave that a surprise for now, unless we already revealed that. We didn't reveal it yet, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it a surprise for now. Uh, but it should be a really fun episode to do, so look forward to that. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Cheers to you guys. Adios.